and, and to listen to uh, Despicable Me and Gru, one of my favorite... Am I going to have to go on stage today? Probably going to have to go on stage. All right. How's that? Is that better? Great. Well, we're going to continue with our series... And our, our series this summer is called Crossing Over, Life on the Edge. For those of you who are new with us, we do summers a little differently here at Jericho uh, as we invite kids to join us for the service uh, in what we call family-friendly Sundays. Uh, if you're a youngin here uh, and you have not gotten this awesome worksheet on Rahab, uh, you can head to the Welcome Center right now and uh, grab one of those, and uh, it's just got some activities and a coloring page and lots of good stuff for you to look at. So we've been going through our series, and uh, each day, or each Sunday we come together, we have a different picture to represent what we've been talking about. And so Danny and Mike have painted these to to talk about uh, just uh, Balaam and uh, Moses and and the rock. And, and just what happened there, Keith talked about in a couple of weeks ago. And we have uh, a new one today, and I invite Rebecca to come up. And uh, it's, it's a very unique piece. And uh, so I'm going to give you the mic here and give you a chance to share your piece. Is it on? Okay. Um, so thought went into every part of this item. That's why it's made of so many different materials. And I don't have time to talk to all of them, but um, I did want to talk about the ribbon. Um, in, in the Bible, it just says a crimson cord, but in my story, um, the crimson cord was a red scarf that was the symbol of Rahab's occupation. And in order to hang it in the window, she had to give up her livelihood um, to take that scarf off. And then that was her faith reaching out to the God of Israel for her future. And so as her faith hangs out the wall of Jericho, it connects her to the saving blood of Christ, which was shed on the cross. So that's the the crux of the thought behind the painting. And if you're interested in the other details, I'll leave it at the Welcome Center. You can check it out after church. Awesome. Thanks, Rebecca, for sharing and for that, that great piece of artwork that you have. And feel free to go talk to Rebecca about it if you have any other questions about... Uh, her, her piece, her artwork. Well, I don't know about you, but I love uh, the movie Despicable Me. And that's why I showed it. Are you guys like Despicable Me? Kids? Are there any kids? Well, how about adults? Despicable Me? Yeah. yeah one of my f- favorite movies is beating the, blocks, uh, the, the box office over like these high action movies. It's really funny how society's going. Um, but I love Despicable Me. I, uh, how many kids and adults have seen Despicable Me 2? Uh, just as Matt said, I wish. I haven't seen it yet either. Uh, and, and so don't, don't give away the plot line. We're going to focus on uh, uh, Despicable Me 1 this morning, okay? Uh, and, and I got a question for you kids, those of you who have seen Despicable Me. Uh, what was Gru like in the very beginning of the movie, the main character? What was he like? Just shout it out. Kids, adults, doesn't matter. He was evil. He was despicable. 
Okay. He was, did I hear mean? Mean somewhere? Yeah. Any, any other things? All I can think about is uh, the kid with the, uh, the ice cream. He drops it. He starts crying. Gru comes, uh, makes a, a dog out of a balloon, gives it to him, and, and we think he's so great. And then pop. And then he freezeways a whole bunch of people and steals their mocha latte, whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, he, he wasn't uh, a good fellow. What happened as the movie progressed? He met some little girls. And what happened to this guy named Gru, who thought, what was his profession? He was a villain. He was, he was an evil villain, and he was suppo- his sense of self-worth was based on the fact that he would be the greatest villain ever. How did that work out for him? Was he a very good villain, kids? No, not at all. We found out in the movie that instead, what Gru is is that he just has an amazing heart and he loves people and he ends up saving the day right well we're going to look at a character this morning that really parallels well with Gru and so I invite you uh, to turn in your Bibles uh, and we're going to start in Joshua 1 just to get a little preview before we end up and kind of hang out in Joshua 2. And so turn with me in your Bibles uh, or your smartphones. You can go on to your YouVersion app. And if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, just head over to the Welcome Center and we'd be happy to give you a Bible, just our gift uh, to you. But we're going to start with God telling Joshua that it was time to go to the Promised Land. It was time to go and, and take what God had promised them. And so Joshua goes to the people, and in uh, chapter 1, verse 10, it says this. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So here's these people who've been wandering around in the desert, eating manna and quail, and not having such a good time. But now, can, can you just see the look on the people's faces? Just picture the crowd. I could just see a whole bunch of What? No more manna? No more quail? No more running around in the desert? We actually get to eat grapes of the land, the fruit of the land? We can like chill out and like have a permanent home? Oh, this is amazing. And so there was this exciting buzz in the air. That's where our story picks up. So let's continue reading chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. And, well, wait, wait. Isn't that a little redundant? Spies by nature are what? Secretive, would you not say? So to say that Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies is, is, is seemingly redundant. It's not, though. It's not what, what, what the biblical writer is saying. is not saying that he is going to be secretive in Jericho. 
We know that he's a spy. The message in this first little, little tidbit is that J- Joshua is actually sending it secretive to the Israelites. Because remember what happened last time they sent spies out? Twelve spies, they gave mostly negative reports, and they ended up walking around the desert for a heck of a long time. So Joshua instead sends his best two scouts secretly. Maybe the, some of the, the higher-up guys knew, or maybe it was just Joshua and the two spies. But they went out and went to Jericho. Now we have a picture of modern-day Jericho, and Joshua is very specific in saying Jericho to go to Jericho. Scope out the whole land. And make sure you check out Jericho. This is a uh, today picture of the ancient city of Jericho. And it's a little fuzzy, but what you can see is that it is a huge, basically mountain, a mound that this fortress was built on. It is six city blocks. And it is, it, it is pretty huge. If you go to the next picture, it'll show an artist's rendition of the walls around Jericho. They didn't build just one wall. There was two walls around Jericho, and the walls were so thick uh, that they actually attached houses to it. There were houses built in to the walls of Jericho. So Joshua is looking over the plains into the land that they're going to take, and of course, this uh, city is taking the spotlight in the air. He says, go, especially go to Jericho and just check out how things are going there. So they go. So they went and they entered the house of a harlot named Rahab and stayed there. I'm getting caught up because there's a couple things here that just don't add up. We've dealt with the secretly and the spies bit, but now you have the creme de la crop, the best of the best of Joshua's men, integral, moral. They're sent into the city, and where's the first place they go? Right to the local inn of sin. Were they doing it in an, out of an immoral sense of just wanting to go to this place? Or, or what's going on here? Well, as I researched it and as I looked, I come to the conclusion that they weren't actually going to use the services there. You see, Rahab's building was on the outside wall. Her house actually was a part of the wall of Jericho. And I would assert that her house was actually close to the gate that they walked into. You see, they weren't going there for fun. They were going there to search out the land. And so they ducked in to one of the low-level places in Jericho. To this inn of sin. And they just wanted to fly under the radar. Okay? They didn't do a very good job of flying under the radar because we see in verse 2, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. Apparently they were very integral. Joshua trusted them, but super spies they were not. 
So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house. Because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman Rahab had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me. But I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gates, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may be able to catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So then the men go out in pursuit. And once the pursuers are gone, it's nighttime. And what happens in the city is it gets locked up. Total lockdown on the city. Now these spies are trapped in this fortress. Before the spies lay down for the night, they're, they're already laying down because they're under flaxseed. So it wasn't that they were going to go lay down again. I think it was a metaphor for the fact that they were going to go to sleep. Okay, so before they were going to go to sleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, where you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the get this, this is an important verse. Coming from Somebody who takes care of the inn of sin, harlot, coming from a person who was an enemy, a citizen of a nation that was an enemy to the Lord's army, okay? She was low level in her society, and that society was completely contradictory to what God's society, the Israelites, were all about. But... She has great faith, and I love what this says. It says, for the Lord your God. This, this word Lord, and you can put it up on the screen. The word Lord, when it is a capitalized L-O-R-D. It's not capital L-O-R-D there. But when it's uh, in your Bible, it will have that as a capitalized. And what that basically refers to is the personal name of our God. It's the word Yahweh or Jehovah. So she's not saying the Lord, that Lord that is out there is your God in heaven and on earth. No, this is what she's saying. She's making a very faith-based statement. She's saying, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. I love that. God works in such amazing ways through people in just just crazy ways. She continues, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown you kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them. 
and that you will save us from death. Their response is simply, our lives for your lives. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let down the rope. She let them down by a rope through the window. For the house she lived on was a part of the city wall. And she told them where to go. And then in in process here, the men have just sworn an oath under Yahweh. And so they just want to be clear. And so they they give three rules. If you're playing a game, it would be the, the, the rules to actually winning the game. Okay? The first is put up a scarlet rope on your window so we can know which house it is. Two, make sure all your family's inside. If your family's not inside, they're going to get killed. So make sure that. And the last thing, everybody inside your house, not just you, Rahab, everybody inside your house must keep this secret. And Rahab's response is just awesome. Right after they leave, she ties the scarlet cord in the window. Now, it doesn't say what else she does, but I'm pretty sure she worked pretty fast at getting all her family and their belongings inside her house, her inn. This story, Rahab, really reminds me of Gru. I, I really see the parallels because Gru started out as, as this dude who has a good heart but is just in the wrong culture. And Rahab has a good heart in the wrong culture. And they both end up doing great things. And so I'll, I'll take some literaries and I'll say that Rahab is the Bible version of Bickable Me. Rahab had extreme faith. And I don't know if you, we, can, we can fully understand what was going on there. It was a hostile environment in that day. Could you imagine committing treason in your city? I mean, surely if anybody had seen any, like, oh, you, you have all your family inside your house. What's going on? If word had somehow leaked out, I'm sure not only her, but her entire family would have been executed for treason. This is not a small faith act. James puts it well. James is talking about the, how faith without deeds is worthless. And he quotes, or he uses the story of Rahab. And he says, In the same way was not even Rahab the harlot considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Rahab had extreme faith. And it's crazy because she's considered righteous, but look at who she was. She looked after the innocent. 
She was an enemy of the Lord's nation. Those two together, she's the low of the low. But she was considered righteous because she acted through faith. Not only that, but if you look in Matthew 1, it's amazing. We can kind of see what happens to Rahab after this story. Obviously, Jericho, uh, spoiler alert for two weeks from now when we talk about the fall of Jericho. So close your ears if you don't want to hear. But Jericho is, is taken down in, in a very unique way. And Rahab is saved. And her whole family are, is actually brought into the Israelites. And she becomes an Israelite. And we know this, that she became really up there in the Israelites because her son was part of the prince line that led to King David. If you look in Matthew 1, it says, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Basically, Rahab married Salmon. They had a child named Boaz, and you know who Boaz is because most of us are familiar with the story of Boaz and Ruth. They had a child whose name was Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, and then Jesse was the father of King David. It is amazing how God takes faith and he does amazing things with it. God not only utilized Rahab for his purposes, he actually redeemed. He changed her through her faith that she put in action. You see, the beauty of our relationship with God is this. And if you take anything away from today, take this. Through faith, fallen people can do incredible things for God. I want to say that again. Through faith, fallen people, Broken people can do incredible, amazing things for God. Let me clear something up right off the bat here as we talk about fallen people. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all fallen, each and every one of us. And I don't think I need to mention that today. I don't think that's what God wants us to camp on. Because I think we get that. I think we need to camp on our own view of ourselves. The way we consider ourselves. We're broken. We don't measure up. There's so much in society telling us we need to be so much better. Do you feel that way? Is it just me? Or do you feel like you can never measure up? Through faith, fallen people can do amazing, incredible things for God. Did Rahab think that she herself, based on her immoral profession and the fact that she was a citizen of an enemy nation, do you think Rahab would have known that her faith would be immortalized, memorialized in Hebrews chapter 11, the by faith section of scripture where they basically list off all the great men and women of faith? gets her name in that i'm sure she didn't know that that was going to happen that what she would do would be that impactful but she had faith 
Do you, I think there's a lot of people out there who think that, you know, I just need to get this far and then I can do great things for God. You know, I just need enough education. I'm in elementary school. I cannot do great things for God. You know, I, I can't. I got to become a big person. I got to become an adult to do great things for God. Or, you know, I'm, I'm in high school. I'm the leader of tomorrow, not today. By the way, I hate that when people say that. Our youth are the leaders of today and tomorrow. But we get ourselves thinking, when I, when I just have it enough done. <laughs> this thing's getting to me here. When I just have enough education... When I just have my, my bachelor's or my, my master's or my doctorate, then, you know, I'll, 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 I'll be good. And then I can just pour my time into what God has for me or, or into great things. Or maybe it's money for you. Maybe I just need enough money. I just need a certain level in society. And once I have that, then I will do great things for God. Then I'll choose to walk out on faith. Or it's prestige. Or maybe it's just knowing your Bible. Maybe you just need to take that extra navigator's course or that extra Bible study. Go to uh, a couple more uh, sessions on, on fa- sharing your faith or whatever it is. But if by that, that standard, if we use that standard, there is no way that Rahab could have been doing such amazing things for God. You see, I, for one, am so glad, thankful that we worship a God, serve a God that takes us as we are. Our weaknesses, our downfalls. And he says, come to me and I will give you life and I will give you purpose. God is saying to you, just like Rahab, just like to Rahab. Trust in me. Let me take the steering wheel of your heart. And I'm going to do an amazing work in your life today through faith. I, Yahweh, will make you purposeful. I will not only come into your life and change your life, but through your faith actions, I will do some incredible things in and through you. You see, kids, youth, Adults, God has, God's plan for our lives is that we would live life to the full and be purposeful. That's why he ingrained it into us. I mean, have you ever just been slothful? Have you ever not done something for a while? What, what tends to happen when you spend too much time that way? I don't know about you, but I, I get depressed. I get down. On the other hand, what happens when we do great stuff? When we go out and we do great things in life for the kingdom of God, helping out our neighbors, whatever it is, you feel good inside. You see, God has ingrained that in our very being to be purposeful. He built us that way. And you know what? There is so much more to life, kids and youth and, and adults, than coming home from school or work or being at home because it's the summer 
and just getting on the Xbox, getting on the Wii, playing your online massive computer game. So much more than that. God has so much more plans for you. Or going home and being so exhausted and just grabbing the clicker and zoning out for a couple hours. See, I used to be a bit of a gamer. Sometimes I I wasn't a huge gamer, but I I would play and sometimes I'd get just addicted and I'd play a game for three, four hours at a time. And in the moment, I would feel incredible. I'd feel awesome. Because there's achievements, right? And you beat those achievements and you feel good. That's why video games are addictive. But then the screen would turn off. And I'd go to bed and I would just feel hollow inside. I don't know if you're a gamer or maybe you just watch a lot of television and and you escape into that. But God has so much more for us. And he gives us little tidbits of it in our own lives. In that he made us purposeful. So when we're not doing purposeful things, we feel it. Through faith, fallen, broken people can do amazing and incredible things for God. My buddy works incredibly hard. He's a construction worker. He'll work 10, 12, 14. Sometimes he works 16 hours a day. Weekends, doesn't matter. He's trying to get rid of debt. And he's trying to prove himself in his business. So he'll go out and do this. So he's living for this getting out of debt and, and getting back on the right track. Are any of you guys like that? I know sometimes I can get into that. You know, I'm not just a youth pastor. I'm also a construction worker. Uh, I'm a general contractor. Sometimes I'll just get into doing. And I'll end up spending so much time doing work and and account for what? That's not true purpose. See, God... Don't get me wrong. God wants us to provide for our family. And he wants us to love our family and be home for our families and all of that. But there is more to life than that. He has given us potential and purpose. And he's given us the ability, even within that, to screw up. That's the amazing part about God. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. We can come to him in our brokenness and he will use us. And when we screw up, he'll just say, I forgive you. It's okay, keep up. Keep up the faith. Keep striving. Keep trying to do good things, great things for me. I have great plans for you. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Yes, we are broken. But 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, I think it brings it all into perspective. This is Paul, the guy who's building up the church. He's doing amazing things for God. He's been praying for God to take something from him. 
so that he can be better used in his ministry. And God has the answer. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my, God's power, is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. For God's power is made perfect in your weakness. We don't have to have it all together. Actually, we won't. But we do have to step out in faith. Paul did. Rahab did. And because Rahab saw that there was something better than where she was right now, she pushed aside her weaknesses and she acted in faith, even though she didn't have it together. See, through faith, fallen, broken people can do incredible things for God. So what does this mean for you guys? What does this mean to me? I want to ask you something. I want to I get a little personal. I, w- I would love for God to do some open heart surgery today in this place on each of us. How's it going with you? What gives you purpose and joy in life? Is it God? Then, then awesome. Keep it up. Keep striving for more in your faith and look for more opportunities to serve and to grow and, and to just take in all that greatness that God has for you. But if it isn't, and I'm not talking, I'm not talking to a non-Christian basis here. Because I think there are times when us as Christians, we get stagnant. We don't take those opportunities to live out our faith. And in a minute, I'm going to share some of those, some amazing things that are happening at Jericho. But is what you're doing to give yourself purpose and joy... Is it working? Because I know God wants to do some absolutely phenomenal things in and through you. Into the lives of the people around you. And it starts with faith. To believe that God looks past your faults. The things we tend to focus on. And instead, he will fill you up that'll give you everything you need to do some just powerful things for God. So as we, God, as we just lay our hearts in front of you right now, as we listen to some stories, as we kind of ponder Rahab, Holy Spirit, come right now, rest your spirit upon us, we are desperate for something. And I know it's the power of your presence in our lives. Do a work right now in our heart. Through faith, fallen people can do incredible things for God. I, I'm pretty sure that the kids at Jericho here, that they're not perfect. I don't think they have it all together. I don't think they 
have all the theological truths to be able to share their faith in the best possible way. But you know what? That doesn't matter. Even the fact that they're disobedient at times, that doesn't matter either because God worked through the kids at Jericho. They invited their friends to day camp. And you know what? The awesomest thing is that their friends and their friends' families heard about the love of Jesus and how Jesus can impact their heart and make them purposeful. And I'm excited by that. Are you guys excited? Does that excite you? I know they were excited. Came in one time through the sanctuary doors and and one of the kids just came running over to me and said, Pastor Mike, Pastor Mike. I invited my friends to day camp and some actually registered. See, they feel purposeful. They feel joy. When we do what God has for us, when we step out in faith, God is going to do so much more than we can expect. Through faith, fallen people can do incredible things for God. We have some amazing youth in our church. We do. I know I'm the youth pastor. And I get, I get to hang out with them. Right, guys? Hang out all the time. You guys are great. And I just see their growth. And it excites me. And I see some of the youth's passion to engage with the students at their high school. And to share their faith by inviting their friends out to youth, or just by talking a little bit about it. And I just think that's so awesome. Our youth group has seen a number of kids. It's growing in the fact that unchurched youth are starting to come to our youth ministry and are staying because they are felt that they are loved. And it's because of these kids stepping out in faith, these youth. I'm going to brag some more on the youth, and I'm going to brag on, on the adults that helped out at day camp. These individuals had an opportunity to build into the lives of kids from our community, to just love them, to show Jesus' love, no matter what they were doing at day camp. I want to ask you, if you helped out with day camp, how did you feel? I helped out at day camp. I felt awesome. I felt purposeful. I was filled with joy. Through faith, fallen people can do amazing things for God. The Lafleurs, fluent in French, are heading out to Quebec, the, one of the least reached people groups, am I right, in North America. And they're going to go and they're going to help out a church there and work with the local people. And they're also going to look for ways for Jericho to come alongside this church in helping out these people in Quebec. We have the Sumners and the Ashes. Brady is there as well. In Tanzania right now, in a step of faith, they're out there doing great things for God. They are loving kids with albinism who are just... The, the refuse in that society. And they're loving them. And they're sharing the love of Jesus with them. And I am certain that God is doing a work, not only in the hearts of the kids that they're ministering to, but in their hearts as well. See, what it takes is faith. I'm not saying that you have to go to Tanzania 
What I'm saying is that through faith, we can do incredible things for God right here. The Pascos aren't here so I can pick on them. (laughs) I, I just see the Pascos and they are praying intentionally for their friends, for their family, for their neighbors. And they are sharing their stories with them. The story of Jesus and what Jesus is doing in their life. And I just think that's awesome. That's phenomenal. We have another family in our, our church. The youth goes to our youth group. And they have decided that church will be their neighborhood. And so they are committing to just get in deep with their neighborhood. And so they'll get together and they'll share a meal. They used to do a big old fire in the middle of the, the cul-de-sac, which they can't do anymore because it got shut down. <laughs> but they're loving their community. And it's showing. They're having honest, authentic dialogue with the people around them. And they are doing great things. You know, when I, when I preach, when I give messages, I'm often talking to myself as much or more than I'm actually talking to you guys. So on Friday, I was at my, the construction site. We're building a church on 296, and I'm the general contractor. And so I oversee all the trades that are there. But it's cool because I can do youth ministry and write sermons and stuff on site because I am the overseer. So I just have to check in every once in a while. And so I'm writing this sermon, and God's just speaking to me through my own message that God's giving me. And he's saying, there's one guy left here. Go talk to him. His name's Deep. Pray for him. Deep is a Sikh. He's a Sikh that his, because his mother and father were Sikhs. And I had the opportunity, God just opened the door, and I was able to have an amazing conversation with him about faith. I asked him about his faith. Then I was able to share about my faith. He wanted to know about my faith. I shared, you know, just the excitingness about how Jesus is the only deity out there that actually came to earth and was vulnerable. God was skin on his face. He grew up. And I got to tell him that Jesus died for his sins. For all the bad stuff that he had done. Telling me a little bit about it. And then he rose from the dead and he conquered death and we can all party with him in heaven. I got a chance to share that with him. I got to tell you, sometimes I come home from con- the construction site and I just feel dead. Not today. Not Friday. I felt alive. See, God gives us purpose. We could do amazing things for God if we are willing to step out in faith. I'm just so excited. Dustin started up a prayer group at his, at his work. And they're having just an amazing dialogue there. It's just awesome to hear the stuff that they're talking about and praying through. I don't know what that is for you. But I know that I'm stagnant. This Friday thing doesn't happen all the time for me. It should. But it doesn't. But I need to see that through faith, I, a fallen person, can do so much more than I think I'm capable of. So I want to ask you something. Are you guys at the end of your rope? <laughs> 
Are you guys at a place right now where things are just stagnant? Maybe you're just feeling purposeless. Maybe you're lacking some joy in your life right now. Well, my prayer is that today that trend would end. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Dustin and the team are going to come forward right now. Right now, what I want us all to do is to just take some time and spend some time with God. And I invite the prayer partners to come out. We're going to have people that will be willing to pray for you. If you just need some time to pray with somebody, there's going to be prayer partners at either side of the, uh, the stage that would be happy, that would just love to pray for you. Or if you just need to spend some time with God, maybe you just need to come and kneel at the front and say, you know what, I'm going to step out in faith starting today. God, I'm sorry that I'm not being utilized the way I'm capable of and I want to. Or maybe you're in a different place. Maybe you're just broken. And you just need God to show you the way he feels about you. That you are a dearly loved child. Just how proud of you he is. If that's you, take this time. The worship team's going to sing a couple songs, and if you need longer, then, then take longer. Just one more thing, if, and then I'll, I'll be quiet because the, the whisper of God speaks so much better than I can. If you're here today and you have never fully given up your heart to God, never said, you know what, God? I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to give you my life. What I'm doing is not cutting it. I want something more, and I think that's you. That's you right now. Take the time. You can just pray this prayer. Come talk to me afterwards. Just cry out to God. Say, God, thank you for making me the way you did. Sorry of the mess I've made. God, I want to be purposeful. I want to be used by you. I want to have your joy inside of me. Come into my life. Take control of my life and change me. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And today I declare that I walk with you, God. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, make sure to come and talk to me afterwards or talk to a friend. But don't leave here today without doing some hard work.